Is there a silver bullet in software development? Hello, my name is Eric Normand, and I help people thrive with functional programming. So I just finished reading this book, The Mythical Man Month. It's a bunch of essays about software development. Uh, this is the 20th anniversary edition, which I think was written in 2001. So it has some responses. Uh, oh no, look at this, 1995. Never mind. So it's still it's pretty old now. Still 25 years old. Um, but the book came out uh, 20 years before that. Uh, the original essays. So what's interesting is you get to see his the author's responses to his own essay after time and responses to other people who have responded to his essays over time. And one of the essays is called no silver bullet and Fred Brooks, the author makes the argument that from his, you know, when he wrote it, there would not be a tenfold increase in productivity in software development. And he lays out a pretty clear argument that uh, there are two types of complexity in software development or in anything, there's going to be two types of complexity, but he uses this framework. It's developed by Aristotle. So it's, it's, um, you know, it has a history to it, but the, the framework is there's the, essential complexity which is like the conception of the thing the, the figuring out how the software is supposed to work and what it's supposed to do and all that stuff and then there's the accidental complexity which is all the stuff about typing it in and back when he wrote it uh, a lot of there had been a lot of gains in the typing it in stuff so uh, they moved from a batch oriented like mainframe system where you would work on your software, submit it, it would get in a queue. And then, you know, sometime later, like maybe days later, you would get the results of your run back. So, so computing time was very scarce and it was, it took a long time. There's a very high latency, um, between between like you writing code and getting the result back and so in the time before in the 10 years before he wrote the essay they had developed time sharing systems that were reliable and so people could use the computer basically all the time so they would have a terminal that was connected to the mainframe and they could uh, type code all the time run it and have a much faster cycle. So he talks about a lot of improvements like that, that aren't about thinking about the thing, but more about making it real, implementing it, typing it, stuff like that. So his argument is that, that at the point when he wrote the essay, if that that the, the the amount of uh complexity that comes from typing it in is shrinking 
because they're getting more and more efficiency with that implementation stuff, that typing and just making it real. And that to his mind, it was already less than one tenth of the complexity. The other 90% of the complexity was the essential stuff, was thinking about it, was making, you know, getting your algorithm right and stuff like that. And so his argument was, if that's true, that you only have 10% left or less than 10% left of accidental complexity, this is, these are his terms that he took from Aristotle, this accidental complexity, you, you'll never be able to get um, another tenfold increase in productivity. So you'll, you know, the only thing you can do is, is like shave off a little bit more of that 10%. You're never going to get an order of magnitude difference. And I think the argument makes sense, but I want to rebut it. I think that the main problem I have with the argument is the division of stuff into essential and accidental that I guess my, <laughs> from my perspective, um, this, the improvements we've made to the programming, to the act of programming were innovations were inventions that took something that people thought was essential and made it look more accidental. Right. So, um, I think people thought that at the time computers really are these things that you only get access to for a little bit. That's an essential part of computing. And it took people inventing and really pushing the status quo to turn that into something that you could actually address. And it, it was, so it, it's a mental shift as well as physically implementing the terminals into the time sharing system. And a lot of the stuff that he talks about being essential are stuff like, you know, all the states your program can get into basically, uh, implying that there's mutable state, uh, that there's a lot of complexity in like memory management and stuff like that. And I think that, uh, in the time since he's talked about that, those things have become much more of a choice. They're not essential anymore. They're not an essential part of the problem. So I'm not sure whether we have shaved off or gotten it down to less than 10% because that idea that thing, there is an essential complexity to it. I think everything does have an essential complexity, but the, the technology is always moving stuff from essential to accidental. So I actually think it's, better to address, to, to categorize the sources of complexity, 
not by this subjective notion of essential, but by a much more objective notion. Uh, before I get into that, there's um, a, a very popular paper that is a response to this essay. It's called Out of the Tar Pit. This is a, if you're interested in functional programming, uh, you should read this paper. Um, it is basically taking this essential and accidental complexity framework and uh, talking about how to address it and how functional programming does address it. Um, they modify the essential and accidental a little bit. Uh, and I think in a good way, they make the essential complexity, the complexity that is uh, irreducible because it is about your domain. So if you're making accounting software, accounting by, in, by its nature has some complexity in it that you can't get rid of or you won't be doing accounting. Right, you've you've elim you know if you've simplified that away, you're not really doing accounting. You're doing something else, right? Same with like um, launching rockets. If you had software that helps you manage rocketry, it's a very complex thing. And if you're not, if you eliminate something from rocketry to make your software simpler, simpler, are you really doing rocketry, right? Uh, so then there's the accidental complexity, which is all the implementation complexity we add to it. Um, this is all the, you know, all the bugs, obviously. But then, you know, we are using uh, constructs that don't exactly fit the way the, uh, the domain wants them to. And so we have all these corner cases and we use threads and that introduces complexity. Oh, and it works on the web and so we have the complexity of Ajax requests and all of these things are accidental they're not part of the domain that we're actually trying to implement so uh, I think that this is a much better way of categorizing the two things because it's not it, it it's not saying like even mutable state like using a global mutable variable is, is accidental complexity because you don't have to do that. Rocketry isn't about variables. And so it's a much clearer line, much more objective line between the domain and the, um, the, the, complex, the accidental complexity. And so uh, the paper is about, well, how do we deal with this accidental complexity now? Now that we've kind of identified it, how do we deal with that? And they use functional programming uh, and stuff. To, to, to address it. And I was working with this framework in my book. Um, I, I, you know, I like the framework. I think it, it adds a lot to the discussion. Uh, but whenever I would show someone the, oh, and here's the accidental and essential, people would be like, did you make those words up? It just sounds wrong. Like, they're just not right. And, of course, then I have to explain, like, no, there's a long line of people using these words. Um, I know that, like, it requires some explanation, but, like, it goes back to Aristotle. <laughs> so it's not like I made them up and I'm sorry that they're bad. 
Uh, but that's how it got translated from Greek and like, you know, whatever. Um, but then the more I use them, the more I realize, no, it's actually better than, than having like a, a two, uh, a binary split, like the essential and the accidental. It's actually better to talk about multiple slices of complexity, uh, that, it have to do a lot with like the actual software development uh, flow. So you could talk about domain complexity. So this is you know the rocket, the rocketry stuff, rocket science as a as a thing. When you implement it, it's going to have certain complexity that's irreducible, or you're not doing rocket science, or you're deliberately leaving something out, right? Then there's stuff like your, your architectural decisions. What platform does it run on? Uh, are you using a certain type of database? Uh, what language are you using? All those things are going to add complexity uh, because they've got their own quirks. They've got their own things that you have to manage. Like I said, if you're on the web, you have to deal with the browser, you have to deal with JavaScript, you have to deal with Ajax requests. So all these things, by themselves have already added complexity, but they might be necessary because that's like your business case, right? Oh, this is rocket software, but delivered on the web, right? That's how we get, that's how we deliver to our customers. And that's a, like an advantage that we have. And so it's kind of necessary, right? But it's not, um, it's not part of the domain, right? And so then you have, stuff like your how you implemented it right so this is built on top of your architecture like the software you write and the choices that you've made in like turning the domain into code and dealing with uh, the architectural complexity so all of that you could have bugs you could have misfits you know like you know change a change of requirements um, so you have this like legacy way it works and now you have this new way of working. That's complex, right? So by splitting it into three, uh, you actually get, I think, a clearer view of of the sources of, of complexity, right? There's the complexity of the domain. There's the complexity of your architectural choices. And then there's the complexity of your implementation choices. And the implementation choices are going to have to deal with the other two forms of complexity or sources of complexity. So, you, you know, there's this, another opportunity to add complexity in the software that you write. Um, and, the, and like I said, the reason I think splitting them up like that is it's much more objective about where it comes from, whether you can actually do something to remove it, and uh, I, I just think that it's, it, I find it much more useful. You're not having an argument about whether this thing can really get be gotten rid of, you know? It's like, no, we made that choice. We're using JavaScript. That's, we have to stick with that. And we're, there's no more discussion. It's, yes, it's complex, but we just have to live with that. And that's, you know, it's a choice that we're making. Okay, we're using object-oriented programming or we're using functional programming. There, that comes with a certain amount of complexity and we're choosing to 
live with that? And um, what are the practices for managing that complexity that we can do for minimizing it and then managing what's what remains and then managing the other complexity, right? Um, so anyway, I, I, I think that this is a, a better way of looking at it and it also allows for a little bit of mobility. So if you look at, um, you know, microservices, one thing is they, you know, obviously they're adding architectural complexity um, because now everything's a distributed system, but you're also allowing for different language choices per, you know, service or different database choices. So you're, you're carving out the complexity into smaller pieces and so you're not having like, oh, the whole, we chose, you know, Mongo because we needed it for X, but we're also using it for Y, even though it's not a good fit because we don't want two databases, right? Well, now you just say, well, I'm going to use a different database per service. I can choose the database that makes sense for that service. Um, so that, that lets you play with the complexity a lot. Um, likewise, you can choose different languages with microservices and so have different paradigms per service. It also lets you make uh, more nimble choices around how you're going to, where, where your complexity goes. All right. Uh, just to recap, this is a great book, The Mythical Man Month by Fred Brooks. Um, I wish I had read it earlier. Um, I, mostly I just regret it because it's the kind of book that everyone talks about all the time and I couldn't really ever participate in the discussions. Um, it, it has a lot about the history of, of programming in it, what it used to be like uh, when you had these like giant systems in big rooms with air conditioning and stuff. It's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, essential complexity, accidental complexity, not the best way to, to model it. I think you should split it into three. All right. You can find this episode and all the past episodes on lispcast.com slash podcast. You'll find links to subscribe and links to social media. You'll also find a video and audio and text for all the episodes on there. Uh, uh, take care and rock on.